there you are. <laughs> it, <laughs> that it, was, it, it's almost like somebody doesn't want this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it just kept asking me for a code, you know. That's crazy because I, I have it set up so that you go into a waiting room and there, right. is, there is no code. So it's really, it's really, really odd. But anyway, I'm <laughs> glad right. we're here and I'm glad you could redo this, man. I appreciate that. Uh, no problem. You know, I know it's a pain in the, uh, pain in the ass. No, nah, it's all good. But you're Bernard Allison, right? You've, you've had <laughs> right. some pains in the ass in the back. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Anyway. You know, uh, j just for because this is this is live. It's not live now, but it's being recorded now. Just so people know, we recorded this a couple of days ago, and we had uh, an audio thing and video thing on our end through Zoom where the files were corrupted. And so Bernard's been so gracious to to join us back on. And now we just had a pain in the ass trying to get him on, and <laughs> he, he's been he's been really cool. He'll probably never talk to me again after this, but at least we'll get this conversation in. That's all good, Jimmy. You know. Yeah. Anyway, you know, you put out an album uh, recently. Um, you know, called Luther's Blues. It's hit number one on the Billboard charts. Which, congratulations, man. No, thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, as you as you know from our previous conversation, I'm a huge fan of your dad's. I'm a huge fan of yours. The album is great. So uh, tell me what was your, you know, what went into making this album for you? You know, what was that, you know, process like? I mean, internally. Well, well, it all came down with with Thomas Roof and the tour that I actually just finished, 30 years of Roof Records. And I, he wanted to, an album or some sort of product to sell other than what I normally have on my merch table. And I said, well... <laughs> Kind of doesn't make sense to go in the studio to redo some songs of my dad because I pretty much recorded two songs off of every record. And I said, how about if we, I'll just go through all my records and make a selection and see see how it works that way. So he agreed. And like I said prior, um, my my biggest concern was trying to match the different technologies from my second album till the album to date today you know just balance wise and technology wise different producers and things so i put the list together and um uh, thomas sent it to his mastering and remaster guy over in germany and i said well just let me let him do what he does here's the order i i feel the order is good and just let me hear the feedback, you know, once he finished. And when I heard it, Thomas had emailed, he was, all he said was, wow. I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. <laughs> the record sounds great. You can't really tell. It's a very even, you know, balance. It's full, you know, from song to song. I said, great. So when I heard it, I was like, I was floored with it. Because like I say, um, for example, the first track, Hang On, that's from my second album, which I believe was 1991, maybe. And then you got recordings up until highs and lows, which was 2022, 23. Different producers, Jim Gaines, David Z, some French mm -hmm. producers. But yeah, it came out wonderful. So Thomas said, okay, let's make a, a double line on double CD. And we'll have it it kind of makes sense to go along with the tour because my dad basically started, you know, with Thomas with the label itself and it just flew off the tables. And even this morning, um, I'm getting all these reviews and people like, Oh, wow, this is amazing. And blase, blase. But we, it's all my, um, I own all my masters. So we just went back and I picked, I picked a nice selection to make, make a nice, um, album so the fan base can take it home and I haven't had any negative feedback as of yet but um, I'm really blessed and honored to be able to do a project like this for my father and you know show him where I come from versus where he started these songs originally and I always lean on the fact that uh, he always told me said if you're going to do my stuff don't try to copy it 
you know, put your own thing onto it. And that's what I've always done. So I'm, I'm very happy with the project and it's, it's fairly new and it's still going strong. Yeah. Well, I, I've actually, you know, Bernard, I've listened to it. I can't even tell you how many times I've gone through it myself in that. And uh, I absolutely love it. I mean, you know, you the, the tone of your guitar, you know, the, the tone of your vocals, the production, the way that it was, it's not overproduced and it's not severely raw, you know, it's right. It, it was done really well. And so, uh, you know, had, and that's why, you know, number one on the billboard charts, that's why you're getting all the attention that you are with it, because it's a great piece of work. And, you know, I try to, you know, a lot of people, I always get the question of, you know, leaving live or on record and people are like, well, you sound like your record. Live, most people don't mm -hmm. kind of sound like their record when, when they perform live. But my thing is the gear I use on stage is what I record with. Yeah. Um, and anything extra comes from the producer. Jim Gaines or David Z may have an idea, coloration-wise, to you know to to really fatten up our live sounds. But we typically record live. And uh, and the funniest question I always get is, you know, a lot of the kids try to play the guitar parts, and they're like, "We can, I can't play with this. I can't play with the song." I don't know why I say, okay, the first reason is I tune a whole step down. So they're looking at my fingers. If I'm in E position for me, it's D. Right. So they get really frustrated. And I say, well, you just have to figure it out in the other box or you have to tune down if you want to just play the high I play. But it, it's so hilarious. And, oh. you know, back in the day, I used to invite people up to jam and things. And I, I'd warn them. I say, okay, my guitar is... <laughs> It's a whole step down. I said, do not look at the bass player. You know, <laughs> right. right away, they'll call out the songs. Okay, kid E, and the band's going to E, but he's actually in D. I'm like, you got to listen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, you know, you, you mentioned a, a second ago about, you know, when you play live, that, you know, it's really, really close to the album. And, you know, I know some 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 bands and some artists like to stay close to that because they feel like, well, that's what the audience really wants. Like, for instance, and I know this is outside of your 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 world, but the band Foreigner, mm -hmm. right? If you were to go see Foreigner play over the last 10 years, I mean, they're doing just their hits, but it sounds <laughs> identical to right. the albums. But on the other hand, the flip side, there's guys that like to give what they would consider a live version right. of that song. Okay. You know what I mean? And so, and and I know most blues guys, you know, and, and a lot of guys in general don't follow their their solo, their solos note for note as it is right. on the album. Exactly. Are you of that mind frame where when when it's live, you're just playing what you feel at the moment in that song, or are you trying to stay, you know, close to that song? No, I, I never play anything the same. <laughs> it's like, it's all a feeling. Once the rhythm's around me and the arrangement is there, and right. I even tell my guys, it's like, okay, yeah, we don't have horns today, so my keyboard player can simulate horns or whatever. I say, now, when you solo, don't try to solo like that record you know right. i want i want your feel and that's what i do too you know yeah. which which gives it another level uh, oh. of intensity because for me i'm a spot-on type player it's like you tell me to go i'm gonna close my eyes and and just hear the music around and say okay i'm gonna go this way opposed to going the opposite way where when you lock something down on the studio and agree on it that's it you can't change it <laughs> you know yeah. unless you're doing a live recording and it's hit or miss so i just keep it open and uh i don't try to mimic my solo at all i vocals and arrangement i have to respect it but i still play my feelings yeah, yeah. You know, in 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 the genre, the, the style of music that you're in, I think it's conducive, you know, to being whatever is emotional at the moment, you know, whatever you feel, however it's gonna right. work through you at that moment, as opposed to, you know, something, you know, more rigid in that. I think I think the audience, 
I'm, I'm just guessing. I would think that the audience probably can perceive that this is this is real. This is now, you know, as exactly, to- exactly. It's very visual, and yeah. you know, they 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 can probably learn the record by heart and then hear us play live and. So well, that's not the same solo. Well, it's not supposed to be the same solo. You know, yeah. this is this is live. I'm feeding off of you right now, and so I'm taking it to a whole another level. Which often happens is like, I'll play something one night, and the band's like, "Wow, what was that?" And I, I'm like, I don't know what it is unless you play it back. <laughs> you know, I, I, it goes right. by so fast. You know, he said, "Wow, that that could have been interesting if we if you would have did that on the record." I said, "Well, it's too late for that." <laughs> you know, so yeah. Yeah. so it, it you know we're a natural feel, and like I said, our energy is we're feeding off the public, and you know I don't like to be looked at like going to a movie theater because that's not what my music is about. It's about sharing and putting smiles on each each other's face and having the fans participate with me so they seem like really like a part of of the group you know what i mean opposed to just a starstruck or looking at a movie we're not we're not a movie you know so just come and have some fun with us and all that vibe generates back and forth yeah yeah it it, it, the the, what's weird about bands in, in in music in that is that you'll get some bands that just absolutely feed off of the audience interact with the audience just really and then you get other acts that you know it's more of a i don't know a rigid production to some degree you know what i mean right. this, is the, this these are the steps that we're taking or whatever in that and and i know in in the blues world because as you know you know that's the world that i i cut my teeth on you know back in the 80s in that in chicago it, it was just it was just in the moment. It was always raw. It was always, exactly. you know, it was like, nobody, had, nobody had a set list. Right. Like they just like call off a song. They just start, they didn't, sometimes didn't even call it off. They just start playing. Right. Exactly. And that's, you're just feeding off of each other. And uh, like we were discussing, uh, you know, how to, how to actually feed off someone and, and be a, a team player rather than try to be the front guy all the time and you're just constantly soloing, you know, which is totally, totally unrespectful if you're playing with a unit, you know. Like I say, I I credit all my rhythm playing and everything from joining Coco Taylor yeah. because she was very disciplined and I had a part to play to, and that was to support her her voice. When she was ready to turn me loose for a solo, she was like, hey, Bernard, play me something, you know. I'd play a couple rounds, come right back and play that supportive role, which I was hired to do. And, and without that, I wouldn't be the player I, I am today because I wouldn't know how to play with it. Mm-hmm. It'd be all, okay, me, 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 me. And even today, yeah, sure, it's the Bernard Allison group, but I love dropping back in my rhythm section and say, go, you go and you know back them and give them that same support that they're giving me when it's my turn to sing or my turn to solo yeah i remember uh the first band i was in uh, the the drummer was kevin johnson you know and you might know kevin because he was a buddy guy at the moment i i convinced a local band to let me in and bernard i sucked I was not <laughs> you know what I mean? But they were they were they were good to me, and and he would take me up to to Chicago because he was in Buddy's band, and he was in the house band at Legends with uh, George Bays and uh, Orlando uh, right. Wright and right. John Khaki. You know all those guys, oh, right? You know what I mean? All the back then, those were the staple guys in the city of Chicago. You know, at, at Buddy Guys and that. But one thing that that I I, I walked away from because they uh, they would they would kind of force me out of my comfort zone. You right? They would force right. me. And 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 I remember after just a couple of short months, I told myself I said the only thing I want to be able to do as a musician is to stand on that stage with other musicians and be able to hold my own. Right. You know what I mean? That's all I wanted to do. I don't care about anything else, but whoever it was, didn't matter if it was Buddy Miles or right. Blue or your dad or anybody like that. I just wanted to be able. And I think that the blues community, especially at that time, right. because they were so, you know, welcoming and inviting and stuff like that. 
they 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 help they help foster that right and you you and i touched on this the other day but you know there's a part of that that has gone from the from the industry because uh you know it's funny i was just talking to ronnie baker brooks yesterday myself and okay, I, I talked to him yesterday too yeah, <laughs> we were talking about you know just how different the 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 blue scene is today in comparison to even right. going back to the 80s right and stuff like that and um and if you were if you were a decent player if you were uh you know really engaged and enthusiastic but more importantly if you were respectful to, right. to them they would always open their doors you know they would always invite you in invite you up on stage and stuff like that and i know from our conversation the other day that there's an aspect of that that is still really important to you oh yeah definitely but like you say um it's definitely changed from where we come from opposed to where it is where it stands today you know uh, from lefty Diz, like for me it was my mom taking me to chicago to kingston mines or blues to sit in with lefty Diz or john little john or lonnie brooks or even a coco taylor at a very young age when i'm learning how to play because my dad was always touring i was too young to be there so she had to be there with me and they'd bring me on stage. Yeah, Luther's boy, okay. And if I played something that wasn't right to them, they'd show me the right way. Say, okay, now if you come back next week, I expect you to have this part. I'm gonna teach you little bit by little bit, you know? Yeah. And that's what I did. I just, I worked, listened to the, the my dad's records, slow them down on the, slow them the 33 down to whatever that lower number was pick out the notes and I go back next week. Hey, Diaz, I think I got it. I said, I told you you get it. Just take, be patient. And yeah, just them opening their arms and realizing not just the fact that I'm Luther Allison's son, but the fact that I'm very interested in the music itself and the best knowledge to get it from is from those creators like that. And today we don't have a lot of that left, you know, especially the creators, Buddy, or Bonnie Raitt, or Taj Mahal, you know, that's that upper genre. So now myself, or like a Kenny Neal, or myself and Ronnie, we're in that next generation to have to, if they want it, me and Ronnie talked about it yesterday, you know, I tried not to force myself on anybody, but if they want the knowledge, I'm willing to share the knowledge the do's and don'ts, what to listen to and what not to with that younger generation. But because if you tr start trying to force them, it's going to turn, turn them away. And I, I'm not a forceful person like that because I'm, I'm a very open-minded, patient, respectable type of, when it comes to music or musicians, I want to hear everything and I want to hear the right way versus the wrong way. So, you know, I think there's still some that exists, but it, it's not like it used to be by far, you know, which I, I really miss those older days, you know, mm -hmm. just having my dad and Lonnie and Buddy and Junior just sit around just talking shit to each other, you know what I mean? And not even on a competition level. And, and a lot of, I think what changes everybody, uh, a lot of the younger generation, once Steve, Stevie came out, it became like a competition. Uh, it's not a competition. You know, um, you, if you like what Stevie Ray does, figure out where Stevie Ray comes from. Or if you want to know where Freddie King comes from, you, you, you go back. Mm -hmm. You can't start in the middle of the ladder and go up because now you're, you're missing this whole where it came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I, I, I'm curious, you know, because, you know, as, as a young guy, you know, uh, I'm sure you're sitting around the kitchen table with, you know, the guys that I would be in awe of, you know, all the legends, you know, the, maybe the Howlin' Wolves and Muddy Waters and people <laughs> like that in that, but for you, I mean, did, did you even go back beyond them? You know what I mean? To the, you know, Petey Wheatstraws and you know what I mean? The Bessie yeah. Smiths and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was I definitely went for you. 
Yeah, I definitely went back. Like, I, actually, I, I was very young. I wasn't even playing guitar then. I think I might have been like six or seven. And my, we went on a vacation with my dad down in New Orleans and, and went to the festival. And, you know, I'm hearing all this music. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm already into guitar. I'm like, this sounds like one of them old records that mom plays. And so we followed the music. And my, my dad knew who it was right away. And the closer I got, I knew who it was, not even seeing the person. And it was Lightning Hopkins. And my yeah. dad, my dad said, How do you how can you hear that? I said, Well, I know the records, I know the style, I know the sound. And I was just looking at Lightning like, this is the guy on that record, on <laughs> many records, you know. And we had a lot of uh, Christmas blues records and stuff. So I really that was my thing. I wanted to learn the Charles Browns and the Lightnings and Freddie those Christmas songs. But to physically see them up there doing their thing, I was just floored. And that same festival, I heard another guitar on another stage. And I'm, I'm, I told my dad, I said, that's, that's, that's Albert King right there all the way. So we followed. My dad knew it wasn't now. It was Stevie Ray. And he, he was... <laughs> He was probably maybe like 18 at the time or something, but he sounded like Stevie Ray, well, you know, who we all know, wearing a little, little skinny guy with the beret on the side. I'm like, wow, this is, and he Stevie remembered that years later. So when I got to play with him, he was like, you ready to jam, baby boy? And I'm like, why is he calling me baby boy? <laughs> he said, man, I used to change, me and Jimmy used to change your diapers. I'm like, what? And he started naming all my sisters and brothers. I said, this guy really does know, know who I am. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was the same with like Johnny Winters and Edgar, you know, which we used to be, you know, my brother, Wutu, we used to be afraid of him every time my dad said, well, Johnny, Johnny and Edgar are going to come over. We're like, we'd hide in the closet because we'd never seen an albino and pink eyes. And I knew the music, but I was like scared, you know. Yeah. And then I, once I got with Coco and we started touring with Johnny and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. But yeah, I'm much older. Back then <laughs> I was like very young. And then he saved the women that come with me and my brother are out of there. We're peeping through the corner of <laughs> the doors. And, and then later, like I say, years later, Johnny sits me down on the tour and teaches me how to play open neck uh, slide guitar like he plays, and which I picked up really quick. And he said, you got it. He said, you just maybe your voice may accommodate the low D, D tuning opposed to going to E flat or the original 440. And, I, and ever since he showed me the D tuning, I haven't turned back. You know, it's yeah. just a comfort level for me and the warmth of the music and things like that. So just growing up in that genre, that's a blue side. Now we can talk about the Bobby Blands, the uh, mm -hmm. Tyrone Davises, the Bobby Rushes. They were all throughout my household. So I'm hearing that all every day. And my mom and Bobby, Bobby Rush, they were like best friends, went to school together. And Bobby actually introduced my mom to my father. So <laughs> there's a lot of ties there. <laughs> and the same with Tyrone Davis, you know. So I, you know, in my music today, if you hit listen to this record, for example, you're here all that. You're here yeah. the Hendrix side. You're here the TD side. Um, you know, obviously some things of my dad, a little Alvin King, just where I come from, you know, Parliament and Funkadelic, the Isley Brothers. Uh, and that's something I've always done since day one is utilize what I grew up with opposed to just being that blues player, you know what I mean? And I think that's what makes my music like almost like a roller coaster because you never really know expect expect what we're gonna do. We're not we're very unpredictable, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all the blues. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I've noticed about your music. And, and as you just pointed out, the new album as well, is that it's got it, it's it's got a lot of different flavors. 
you know, to it. It's not, it's not straight blues, you know, yeah. and it's, and it's, it's got the R and B it's got the Hendrix stuff. It's got all that stuff in there in that. And I, I learned, you know, as, as we, I mentioned the other day, I learned from uh, buddy Scott from, right. buddy, you remember buddy Scott and the rib. Yeah. I, I'll never forget. Uh, Nick Moss was playing bass and Joe Moss was playing guitar and I, I would go and I would sit in with Buddy. He'd invite me all over the place. But that was that was really Buddy's flavor. But Buddy could get down home with some Elmore James and right. then he'd turn around and do some ZZ Hill or Tyrone Davis. Like it was <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And I absolutely, I absolutely love that because especially when you start when you when you dive into the Bobby Blue Bands and uh, Tyrone Davises and stuff like that, that's a that's a world that a lot of people, you know, um, maybe outside of the blues don't really know. Exactly, right? yeah, they, they they don't know that. John, yeah, man. And, it, and, it, and that's the but, shit, in my opinion. Right, right? that's the and shit. Then, and then, like Chicago is like a breed. It always has been. It's a breeding ground for like musicians not just guitar players heart players drummers bass players can go all the way back to big mojo elm you know you know the howling wolf days and things but then you got a whole nother uh generation above me that i remember one of my favorites you know when my mom was taking me was joe kelly and Dion payton that's mm -hmm. like i'm like yeah well, this is like blowing my mind, you know. And one of my favorite guitar players that's still around Chicago, and he's been toured around the world. And I think he's definitely doesn't get enough credit. Is Rico McFarlane? Oh, Rico! Rico is Rico's a monster. <laughs> and Rico's I'm bad. talking. Yeah. You had Rico and Chico Banks. All that. Yeah. That's that whole other genre. And Rico taught me so much from you know yeah. when he was playing with. From Lucky Peterson to his father playing, and you know, I he's a very good friend of mine. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know, it's like it's just the knowledge and coming from gospel and and, and jazz and playing with like Wayne Bennett and these cats like that. That's a whole other side of the ball game. So if you can, if you can add just a third of that in your <laughs> a twelve bar blues, you can go anywhere people are like how do you do that how 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 do that work i'm like well you got to really understand listen to gospel listen to tyrone dave listen to bb lightning bb in that order and you're going to hear all that stuff just go by it's the same thing it's just a, a whole nother feel um but yeah that's that's my thing you know i'm, I'm not really listening to a lot of guitar heavy Things on my off time, I prefer to listen to Tyrone Davis or yeah. you know Johnny Taylor, oh, Bobby yeah. Bland, and that's for me. That that just like puts me in a whole nother mood. You know, yeah. You you know, I had a, a weird conversation one time with uh, the actor Steven Seagal. I played with Steven. <laughs> I'm sure you have, and. Uh, it was really weird. I was just coming home from dinner with, with my family and I got a, a phone call and it says Steven Seagal on the caller ID. And of course I'm thinking, okay, no, it can't be. And I was working in television at that time. And, uh, and so I listened to the message and it was like, hey, it's Steven Seagal, the actor, give me a call. You know, and I gave him a call and I remember I had a 45 minute conversation with Steven Seagal while I was walking circles in my driveway where he was talking about how amazing Bobby Rush was. Bobby Rush was like the guy to Steven Seagal. I mean, that's all he talked. He was talking about how everybody else can, you know, go kiss it. Bobby right. Rush is the guy. <laughs> right. it, it was a really weird and kind of odd conversation to have with, with him. But uh, I don't know, man. I thought it was really cool because I knew that he was, he had a band and I knew that he was in the blues and I knew that he collected guitars and stuff like right. that. But I would have never thought in a million years that he would be like everybody else can go bite it. I just, it's all Bobby Rush to me, you know. <laughs> right. And it, it, it was, and it was pretty much the same how it happened with me. We were touring, we we're touring in Europe. 
And, you know, I'm back on the tour bus. Like, every night, my manager is like, you know, I keep getting this call from Steven Seagal, you know. I'm like, buzz Steven Seagal? He said, yeah. <laughs> he, he said he's going to call again. At, so I missed his call like three times, encores or signing or whatever. So one night, I came on the bus, and as I'm walking to my lounge in the back, the front bus calls Bernard. It's him on the phone, right? I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm gonna answer. Yeah, right. It ain't Stevenson though. <laughs> <laughs> and I pick up, and he, I knew the voice right away from the movies. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this, this is him. He's like, hey, baby, glad to have you. And he was, um, he had just uh, finished recording his album Mojo Priest, and he was putting his super band together. And he wanted me to be a part of it where he just wanted me to play slide guitar. And I'm like, okay, I, I can do that, you know? So we had like Billy Preston was originally on the record. It was just this super band. Mm -hmm. And so he flies us out to LA and I'm like, wow, this is this is crazy. This dude, this is Steven Seagal. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he's playing the blues and you know, he has us all, you know, at his house. He shows me all his guitars and amps and things. So, yeah, I did the stateside half of Mojo Priest tour with him. And the super nice guy, he was very attached to me because in that group, I was the only one really from the blues family. Um, all the others were, like I say, the Stevie Wonder, Paul Simons, and just these amazing musicians. So he really clinged to me. And I'd show him some, you know, some licks, some blues licks, and we just clicked like that. And I was just blown away. And people, people, would come to the show, and it's like that is him because nobody believed me. I'm like that's him. <laughs> and my sister, we played in Chicago at um, House of Blues, and my sister just loved Stephen Seagal. So I bring him to the dressing room, and she sees him. I'm like Stephen, this is my sister. Here's my mom. And my sister immediately she goes and pulls his. I just want to touch a ponytail, <laughs> and he's just <laughs> laughing, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, a lot of people don't didn't take him seriously. But he's he's deep down in the blues, and he knows yeah. what he's talking about. And, yeah. and Bobby Rush Brush is his guy, you, you know. So yeah. once again, there's that family tie that uh, most people wouldn't even expect. A Bernard Allison or a Bobby Rush or yourself to be in touch with a Steven Seagal, right. but the the music brought us to that point. Mm -hmm. the, that genre, the blues, brought us to that point, yeah. and that's what I tell this younger generation that's playing blues, blues rock, or whatever you do. What's bringing you to this? My father, Coco Taylor. Otis Rushing, they opened the doors. They they created this path for us to pick up the pieces, put yourself into it. So I just tell them, I said, man, learn where these guys come from, man. Because if you're that good right now and know all this stuff here, that's going to become easy for you. So we slow it down, get that knowledge, and it's only going to make you stronger. Because it's better for me, it's better to know what I'm playing or, or somebody's like, what? how did you play that? Where does it come from? If I can't answer that, that telling, that's telling that person, well, he skipped the beat because you know it. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, rather than just start here and go up, like I say, my parents always say, you got to crawl before you can walk. So. Yeah. And, and, and the blues is, you know, just my opinion. And I, I've heard this said before by other people, is really the place where that should start for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're going to be, you know, in, in a rock band or if you're going to play right. jazz or, or going to do country or whatever it might possibly be. I mean, to have some roots in blues, I mean, I, I think it just makes you a solid player. Right. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's just, you know, because that's... Yeah, because back, you know, back then it was very di disciplined. It was pretty much yeah. 12 easy to count 12 bar blues or or then then you can look at a john lee hooker for example and i don't know what it is it's 20, you know eight <laughs> or 12 
we're on tour with Hook, and I, my dad said, when you play with Hook now, just follow his voice, you know, wait for his voice, and it'll turn out okay. And I'm like, I hope I wasn't used to that. Yeah. And and Coco actually showed me a lot too about timing. Uh, she said, if you watch, if you watch the foot or watch the voice, you got to move there, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> And if you if you don't have any sense of knowledge of that, yeah, you're gonna be lost. It's like where are we, you know? But um, I I was just so blessed to be able to share the stage with those creators, Hooker, Willie Dixon, things like that, because I learned so much, man. And like I say, I just miss I miss most just that openness, the arm take you in, like you said. If you if you're showing that you want to learn, they're gonna open them arms and show you the right way. You yeah. know, all you gotta do is be respectful and listen. Because for me, they're all my elders, and I was taught to listen to the elders. You know. Yeah. So. Now you you come from you know uh, I mean the the history there, the lineage of musicians and talent and legends was i mean it was deep man i mean uh, to me you know that early era of the holland wolves and willie dixons and your dad and and those people i mean that was the shit in my opinion but now we're at a completely different place 2024 it's like it feels like that's all gone right and now there's there's a hand there's a I mean, there's there's good people in the genre, right? I mean, right. there is. There's some great music out there, but that kind of, you know, uh, lineage. I mean, those kinds of legends. There's there's not a whole lot of that. I mean, I, I'm I'm skipping Buddy Guy, you know, and stuff like that. I'm looking to like you and Ronnie and and people of that nature and that. I mean, you're it now. Right. right. You're in that spot where those guys were, you know, but the the atmosphere and correct me if I'm wrong, the atmosphere and the world around it is so much different, yeah, it's different. than it was then. <laughs> I mean, so right. how do you feel about where blues music is right now? I think I think it was in, in very good shape. And like I we talked the other day about it. And then yesterday, Ray and Ronnie talked about it again, how amazed we were because we were on that blues cruise last October together. And you had like 30 kids, Black African-American kids on that cruise ship playing guitars, harmonicas, trumpets, drums. And they're all under the age of 24. And they're playing stuff like Lightning Hopkins. <laughs> you know, some are doing the, what we're talking about, Tyrone Davis's, but Freddie Kings and me and Ronnie are sitting back. He's like, man, listen to these guys. And one yeah. particular name, uh, uh, Mac McDonald or Sean McDonald, uh, blew me away. He went through this demonstration and he literally played, went from Robert Johnson all the way to Joe Bonamus. Wow. <laughs> and you close your eyes, he played everything. You heard everything. And yeah. he's actually right now, he's touring France and the blues is in great shape. Uh, some young women, man, killer trumpet players. And I'm like, when Ronnie and I were growing up, we were the oddball because the kids that we went to school with, and we we're both basketball players, they don't want to hear no blues. They had so we really had no one to play with unless we came to each other when we wasn't in school to play blues together. Because, like I say, back then you couldn't get a black kid to sit down and they said, Oh, that's my that's music for my grandmother and stuff like that. So, you know, just for our heritage, um. I'm just so pleased that how many has came out. And right now for that generation, it's a whole nother generation. And King Kingfish is the head of that generation. And yeah. these other ones, he's opening that door, just like I explained for them, where he still respects myself and Ronnie. He can sit down, ask questions, but he comes from all of that. Mm -hmm. He picked it up. Now he's playing what he knows, but it doesn't stop him from getting more knowledge from 
uh, myself or Kenny Neal or who, who, you know what I mean? So that's that whole pass of the baton thing down. So if they're following him, he's passing all that knowledge down. So they've started what I mentioned. They've started from the bottom. Now they're working themselves up. So by the time they get Kingfish's age or of his status, that vocabulary is going to be so big. And that's what's going to savage the blues, uh, the blues genre. It'll never be what it was, but it's going to be very close if these kids follow, you know, take one step at a time, know where they come from, and take advantage of those open doors and bring somebody with you. <laughs> you know, like Bobby Rush. If I open this door, I'm bringing you with me. Yeah. live with one foot in, I'm bringing another foot in. You know? And that's <laughs> that's that's how I look at it. I try my best to to help anybody that that I can help that that I know that's ready to be seen, or if I can give them some good advice, hey, try this or try this, learn learn another genre, put Put, put more into this thing. You know what I mean? I'm totally a hundred percent behind it. Yeah. You know, I've got a, I've got a really good friend who manages, you know, some, you know, what would be considered some really big, you know, rock legacy type acts in that. And he's always told me over the years, because, you know, I, I played and toured up to 2013. And then after that, I stopped in that and uh, i started getting into other things like management and booking and owning a small label and, and you know those kinds of things and uh he always told me you know it's like i gotta stay away from all the people just trying to make it all the emerging people you know all the people that are just on the cusp because it takes too much time too much money too many resources and this and that and i find myself personally and it doesn't matter the genre doesn't matter I find myself personally being drawn to that simply because I recall how I was treated in Chicago in the late 80s by people like Lefty Diz and Little Max right. Simmons, Buddy Scott, and all those right. kinds, Sun Seals, AC Reed, all those right. kinds of guys. Right. And, uh, and there's a part of me that can't help but say, somebody has to do something to invest in somebody because if not, you know, everybody's floundering around, right? Everybody's, you know, nobody's really got the, the proper guidance or proper understanding, especially when it comes to the industry. I mean, let's right. face it, being a musician is one thing, right? Having the talent to be a musician is one thing, but having the understanding of how this industry actually works. Right. It's a whole nother ballgame. It's a whole nother beast. <laughs> And if you don't have a good, at least a good working understanding of it, man, you can get taken advantage of. Oh yeah, so easily. So do you do you find that like like in the blues world, even these guys coming up? I mean, is there that aspect of it too, of not just teaching people and showing people, you know, how to play and how to, you know, follow the the lineage and be respectful in that, but also to have an understanding of you know, here's, here's how, you know, maybe your publishing or your licensing or a record deal or yeah. all that kind of stuff can work. Yeah. Cause for me, first of all, like me, I couldn't play the guitar until I got my education. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I pushed education first of all, because if you want to be a musician, you gotta learn, you gotta know how to read. You gotta know how to write. You gotta know how to read a map, geography, know where the hell you're going. So if, if you don't have that and you trying to, I don't, it just doesn't have to be blues. It could be, yeah. you can be an artist, a painter or anything, but it's still kind of the same thing. But if you don't know that, they're going to take everything you got yeah. because they're going to feed you nonsense and hype it up. Okay, here, okay, just, just for example, yeah, I'll sign you to this record deal. Here's, Here's X amount of money for advance. Go do this record and all this stuff. If you don't, if you think that's your money, you yeah. you're you know, right? You got to understand that. Okay, what an advance means, or what mm -hmm. the word recoups means. You know, so there's all these little essentials, <laughs> like you say, uh, free money. It looks like free money, but it ain't free money. You right. got to work it back. They want their money back. You can. Be a success and and 
and recoup. They can recoup and you can continue the relationship if, if it works for you. But if you don't know the terms or don't know how to read a contract, you see those numbers and you just sign, you're, yeah. you're done. Look at uh, a Bo Diddley or something like that. There's so many of those legends that got screwed because they couldn't read, they couldn't write, they just signed their name on the paper, but they basically signed their life. You know, yeah. all that good music. <laughs> it's And that's one thing that is that if you don't get that education, I'm not going to let you go on the road. You're going to stay in school till you learn how to write and read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's very important in this industry. And it's getting more, um, I, I don't want to say cutthroat, but there, since the pandemic, especially, there's a lot of people taking advantage of a lot of people. And yeah. if I see it in my in my circle, which I, I don't see it, or there's an opening band, I kind of I kind of pull them aside and say, "Hey, you might want to watch this," you know. But I, I try to stay out of people's personal business unless they ask me a question. But I see a lot of what goes on, and I'm, I've been on the road for a long time, so yeah, uh, you know, I, I just I don't like to see anyone being taken advantage of. So I'll, I will step in and say, oh, you know, could you rephrase that? Because I'm, I I feel that this person is not understanding what you say. Yeah. Uh, so if, if any, any of the youngsters that's getting involved now, I tell them, get your education. Mm -hmm. You know, that the music ain't going to go anywhere, but. Yeah, you can be you can be the baddest singer, baddest guitar player. Everybody's all over you. And you can't count your money. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's easily, I mean, it's easy to be taken advantage of. And, uh, and, and the beautiful thing is of course, now we've got this thing called the internet, right? right? You go in there and you can learn anything that you want to learn and, <laughs> right. you know, just make sure you, you know, you get trusted resources and that, but yeah, right. you know, I've always felt besides the music, you know, it's really important to help bands and artists and musicians or whatever to have some sort of understanding of, right. you know, so you don't get taken advantage of, or you don't waste your time and your money right. and your resources right. and all that other kind of stuff, because you can do that, man. You can just spin your wheels and before you know it, you know, you're, you're, you're frustrated and you're broke and right. You don't, you, you have nothing to look back on because <laughs> you're out there spending, Oh, I'm making this kind of money every night and spending and spending and stop. Every time you stop for gas, you go to Burger King and McDonald's and at the end of the tour, you're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> where'd my money go? Yeah. Hey. I made, I made $4. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so here, here's, uh, you know, I'm, I, we've, you've been gracious with your time once again, you know, and that, but I want to ask you one other question. Yes, sir. The, as somebody that really pays attention to the music industry, like I do, you know, in, in multiple genres and different things that are going on, the blues market has always kind of been around one to 2% of the music market. What do you feel needs to be done in order to expand that so that it has a large, I mean, it's got a, there's an audience there, right? right? You, you got an audience. I mean, it's there, but it's not the size of, you know, the country music art, uh, you know, or the classic rock or whatever. Not that it, it would probably ever be that big, but still, how do you expand that audience? I, I think there's there's a couple people right now that's expanding it for everybody else, even older than this these particular people that's been out there a while, and especially for the newcomers. And I speak of a Joe Bonamassa. Yeah. Um, he's a front runner. He's opened up so many avenues for us um, that we haven't had it since Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, buddy, buddy, obviously he's done his period, but as of right now, on a marketing marketing, and uh, Joe is a a mastermind in marketing, um, great player. So he's playing the the Royal Albert Hall, and he's selling out these arenas. <laughs> now he has his crews, and he's inviting these this 
next generation of players ends it. So with what he's done already and what he's still going to continue to do, and now he's bringing like the Aaron Gales under that roof of Kenny Wayne Shepherd. These avenues are growing bigger and bigger. And a lot of people say, well, you know, he's a white guy. He's just, you know, music has no face, especially the blues, if it's blues related, has no color. You know, they said that about Stevie Ray, but look, everybody talks about Stevie Ray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as for today, uh, Joe Bonamassa put us back in a position to, to gain a little bit more weight. Uh, and Eric Air Gales, he's doing the same. He's slowly yeah. rising. And I think we're in good shape there. Like you say, it's never going to be that big of a genre, but it always will have a following. So you include the blues, the, the I say the original audience versus my audience versus Joe's audience, the Kingfish, Eric Gale, that that bubble is starting to go yeah. out, yeah. and it's it's actually attracting more youngsters because they didn't know what blues was because now they're hearing it playing a little more commercially opposed to how we grew up in the Chicago style twelve bar blues. So, and that's what it's going to take is not to rely on that twelve bar blues expand. But keep the knowledge. Explain where it comes from. Play what you got to play with today's time to be able to even get in that market. What what Joe has done and what he's been doing. You know, you look at Billy Gibbons and you know, yeah. Jimmy Vaughn. We have the names still out there. So everybody, okay, ZZ Top, they're done. But Billy Gibbons is not done. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's still out there. So yeah. he's bringing his resources and you know the Robert Randolphs or the Susan Tedeschi, Derek Trucks, they're all blues based, but they're all taking them different avenues. And mm -hmm. that bubble is just like, wow, this is blues. Okay, I'll come this is blues. Now it's getting bigger and bigger. But right. so I'm happy with where it is and you know it'll never be how we came up with it. But I respect where it is today as long as the people are respectful and honest to the ones that want to learn and things like that. I don't have a problem with it. But when you start getting the egos and not willing to coach someone, if you have the chance to pull somebody in to, to make that music a little bit more stronger, then you need to go somewhere else because that's not who I am. And I'll never be that way. And that's I'll never show that egotistic side of anything because I don't own any of it all. It all was passed down to me. I'm just passing it down to the next person. Yeah. And, and it, and it's really good that, you know, some of the people that you, you named uh, actually talk about the people yeah. that, that they learn from and that they get it, that they got it from. And so that gives people that are coming in for the first time, Right. You know, they hear that and then hopefully they'll go, you know, uh, dive into that. I, I can tell you in 2012, I did a show at Governor State University in, in Illinois with uh, Lonnie Brooks, Larry McRae and Chris Beard. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, and I was always, dude, I was always a massive Larry McRae fan. <laughs> I, I love Larry to death. And uh I I'm, recall, ha I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, I recall having a conversation with him afterwards about how hard it's been for him and yeah. how he was really considering not doing it anymore and going back and being, I think he was a mechanic or a welder, right, or right. something like that, and going back into it. And, and I remember talking to him, it's like, ah, dude, you can't do that. You know, there's you're just too freaking good, you know. We need you, right? <laughs> what am I gonna do now? You know, right. who am I gonna do? But then to have, you know, you mentioned Bonamassa, but then to have Bonamassa come along and take Joanna Connor and Larry McRae and some other people right. like that, you know, and bring them into the fold and help them put out new albums and get them, help them get new managers and new agents yeah. and put them on good tours and really change, you know 
especially with Larry. I mean, it really changed because I think he ended up being on the whole almond bets right and stuff yeah. like that you know really helped him out a lot so i i can see how you know people like that have have benefited the cause and helped bring more attention yeah and like i said I, my God. I really i really love what he's doing and, and you know not just opening the doors but you know putting videos and showing oh this is how where i learned this albert king freddie king and just letting them know where he got it from and then you know where where it's taking him to with his school knowledge and his heart is especially his heart and things like that and just expand like i said the other day you gotta pick a little bit of everything and make your own gumbo you know yeah pick what what you need that's your gumbo but let them know what's you have to tell them what's in the gumbo if you're going to yeah. teach it you know so and that's what we're all doing. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that keeps the the creator's name alive in the loop, in the teaching process. And you're still just creating music and, and going around the world, creating more people and more interest to the blues. So I'm I'm so grateful and proud what he's doing for the giant. Yeah. Well, you, you gotta put yourself in that same category because you've you've carried the torch you know, for a long time yourself in that. And uh, I know from, from, from a distance, you know, looking into the blues world, I mean, you've been one of those people that, you know, has been an inspiration, not only to my playing, but, you know, to probably, you know, tens of thousands of other players and, and fans. Yeah. We, we all have our little thing. Um, like me and Ronnie are like brothers, <laughs> brothers basically. And we're constantly talking about, this all this same topic you know it's like you remember we we're kids and we used to lock wayne out the room and put we play guitars <laughs> and stuff like this and he's like look we're old now <laughs> we're the ones yeah. now you know i said yeah we yeah. are but we still got to keep fighting you know we ain't done yet you know and you keep fighting we keep our relationship and we'll be all right we can teach these next generation if they want to know we can teach them a lot with with shamika and all that she's in the same boat as we are and you know it's we're that heart of that family right now so we got to continue doing our things but we also got to make ourselves available to the the ones that want to know that's coming up and make sure they know the right path you know right right well bernard i I'm, I took up way too much of your time, but I sure, you know, enjoyed our conversation again. And uh, the, the album Luther blues is great. Congratulations on being in the, you know, number one on billboard. And I know that you'll just continue to have amazing success as you, as you go on, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Like it's, like I said, the other day, it's been a pleasure to finally have a conversation about, not just me or not just my father and talk about the music and where the the genre stands today versus where it was and where it's going and who's coming up and those are very important questions for me i could talk all day about them because um we know a lot we come from the old school and there's a lot of information that's been stored here between the two of us as well and I really appreciate it. Your friendship and the time to speak with you on Guitar Talk. And anytime you need me, you got my number still. <laughs> right, right. Well, I wish you all the best. And, uh, you know, I'm going to send uh, Lisa some video. Okay. Know, either this afternoon or early in the morning and that. And we'll air this next Wednesday. Okay. So all I'll right. you all the information. And I appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation with you. Likewise, and you know, my team around me, man, they're gonna put anything you give them, they're gonna blast it. So <laughs> it's a, it's a two way street, you know. We help each other in this business, so <laughs> I never forget that. You need our help, you you know, you got it. All right. Well, you take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Tell Lisa I said hello, and good luck, man. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. All right. Take care, buddy. I love you, brother. Yeah.